0: I was recently, you, you, you know, I travel the, the tech conferences. I go around. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fixture, I would say, at this point in many of the spots. And then when I, we record stuff, we're now flying, you know, Johnny Jones out to take video and share the experience and leverage it, you know, for those who can't make it. But what starts to happen is we start to leverage that stuff and put stuff on social media and let folks know what we're experiencing. Eventually, members of our community Get involved. Pitch in. And we do what we do. We Lego up. We click up. It's the Voltron lines. It all happens. And that happened last year at CES 2023. Got a a direct message on LinkedIn. Say, hey, I see you coming to CES this year. Check this out. I might better get you into this Dolby Atomos event. And, and the guys I had with me were going nuts because first of all, Dwayne Mika's is a video game guy. And he was like, Dolby Atmos. oh my goodness. I, my headphones do that. I want to be able to hear the bird fly diagonally from back here to go over there. It's incredible. So we were like, man, okay, there's a lot going on. Let's try to get over. But th- the big point is she who called did an incredible thing, reached out cold and said, if you're available, come through. I love that about our community. And I love that about us. So today on the Black Futurist, we have She Who Reached Out, Miss Lashonda Larkin. And I don't know why she's quiet laughing. Yes, you can be heard. What's up? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Live from Dallas.
1: <laughs> I know. Yes, I'm back in Dallas. I've yes. been traveling over these past couple of weeks at all these mm-hmm. amazing events, but mm-hmm. this really feels like family. Uh, seeing you both here, um, as we all were all in, in school engineering at Howard University. Um, so this feels like home. So thank it, you is, it
0: is like home. And what happened next was we were in Art Basel, I should say Miami Art Week, a couple weeks ago. Howard University, the Chadwick A. Bozeman College of Fine Arts was having a series of events, plus everything else that happens in that city. And LaShonda, you showed up and you were there with... Black Public Media, public. is that right? Yeah. Talk, talk about correct. that for a second.
1: Yeah, so um, I actually have met Lisa who runs the, the Black Public Media Plus program. Years ago, we first met uh, at Sundance. We were both there supporting the New Frontiers event that happens that really kind of showcases new technology. So at that time it was VR. A lot of the film festivals were kind of breaking into that space. And I was there at the time working with Samsung, and we were supporting Will I Am and Black Eyed Peas as they had a venture with Marvel, and they launched a VR program, Masters of the Sun, which was actually was really cool because they featured a lot of old school hip hop artists um, as the voices, and so it was just great to kind of see, um, you know, culture kind of embrace this new technology. But met Lisa there, um, and she's just been such a great supporter. And she's invited me to come speak um, at some of the black public media events and she reached out and said hey would you come and talk about emerging trends that um would be important for creatives to know about and so that's how i ended up there and what she actually leads is really introducing new technology from a storytelling perspective black public media is an entity that kind of supports public broadcasting tv Mm -hmm. and so they're there to kind of help make sure that there's diverse content that's being made Um, so if you are a fan of you know let's say for example pbs They showcase a lot of great documentaries. Um, Some of those documentaries are supported by black public media. Um, And Lisa is really in the forefront, realizing that storytelling can come in many different forms and and mediums. And so she's really pushing how to leverage VR, AR and other kind of um, technology to tell our stories.
0: Excellent. I knew you were coming on the show today and while we were in Miami, you mentioned one of my reasonably good friends. I I, I would have said great friends until he gave me some crap earlier today. One of my reasonably good friends, Brent Hughes,
1: (laughs) is also joining
2: us today. Hello, hello, hello.
1: I love Brent. So you can't talk too much trash. This is my Ah, buddy right here. (laughs) He's a great supporter. (laughs) We follow each other on social. And so he just always has this wonderful, positive energy. And I just love what you do during homecoming every year, just really pulling us together to come celebrate. So he's good people in my book.
0: Yeah. Welcome the engineer formerly known as Chef Brent Hughes. Yes. yes. (laughs) Hello,
2: people. Good to see your face. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, so La talk about uh, black public media. What's your role?
1: Oh, so actually, I don't work for black public media. Mm-hmm. I was actually just kind of asked to be a part of this particular program, yeah, um just because of my area of, of expertise kind of working in emerging technology um and really the, the spaces of creative technologies. So I'm not affiliated with black public media, but uh, I've certainly have supported a lot of their programs in the past.
0: I contacted Brent this morning and I said, hey, LaShawn is coming on the show and here's what we're talking about, emerging tech. And he gave me crap about it because apparently that was an insufficient summary of what we're discussing. But then she just said emerging tech at least twice just now. What say you, sir?
2: She I think said my... it in the context of other things, didn't she?
0: Yes, as in what she's oh, okay, about, okay, what okay, she's okay. doing, okay. what her expertise is.
2: <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> filling in
0: his blanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> Yes, Lashana, you mentioned that we are quote unquote LKD kids. What are LKD kids? Products of... Oh, uh,
1: of Downing Hall, man. School of Engineering at Howard University. That's um, right. The people, we were always in a library studying where everybody else was mm-hmm. partying.
0: <laughs> and to your credit, it's your credit, you went the hardest route, if you ask me. I mean, all the engineering disciplines in undergrad are incredible and challenging because they're probably one of the only career paths that you can become a professional right out of undergrad, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Other, you know, mm-hmm. be a doctor or attorney, you got to go to some type of finishing school, but mm-hmm. you went even harder and did chem E. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you went all I the know. way. What was What was that decision like?
1: Oh my goodness. I look back and I'm like, how did I Pick chemical engineering, but I think (laughs) at the time, at the time I had interest in going to medical school. And Mm. so I felt like if I was picking engineering, chemical was probably the closest to that. And also I also had a fascination with products. Um and I knew that, you know, being in engineering, specifically chemical, that I could end up in a place where I would see products in store, which ended up happening. Uh, so it's funny because my sister ended up going to Howard. She was a chemistry major. She's the doctor in the family. I'm not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I give all credit to the school of engineering because it really set a strong foundation in problem solving uh, and really how to do kind of situation assessment of just really anything. Um, and I feel like with those skill sets, you can really basically do anything. Um, but I'm very fortunate because actually I did work in engineering mm-hmm. after Howard University. I worked as a chemical engineer for three years um, at colgate Um They had a bar soap plant in <laughs> Kansas City. I know, bar soap. So um, all the Irish cream <laughs> uh, was made at our plant. And so for me, I was really excited about that because I knew any store that I entered in the US, I knew that that product was made at our store and Mm -hmm. learned so many lessons um, working in that job. A lot of responsibility for someone at that age. I was managing a crew of 30 plus people, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of responsibility. I was doing shift work. So I was working three days on and and, uh, 12 hour shifts, sometimes Mm -hmm. working night. When I worked my first Friday, Saturday, Sunday night rotation, I was like, oh no, I'm too young for this. (laughs) But it, it gives you, you know, when you think about it, all these products that we wear, there is someone that is taking that responsibility to deliver it. And so it gave me just, you know, a deeper understanding and an appreciation um, for the things that we have. But it also forced me to say, you know what, I need to make a change. <laughs> mm. So um, after doing three years working at Colgate, I decided to go back to school full time and i went to duke university to get my mba to go into marketing Um, and uh, actually again i give colgate credit because their marketing team was very involved in innovation Um, and so they were constantly at our plant um, testing out new formulas and so from that process engaging with them i realized that i wanted to be on the other side where I could help come up with concepts and develop new ideals and really kind of understand consumer insights to help solve problems, which kind of ties back to the engineering aspect of what we learn in all those disciplines is how do you solve problems?
0: A couple of things there. Number one, I would have never thought that the formula for Irish Spring ever changes. Like I would have thought it's just what it is. You guys just wash, rinse and repeat, quote unquote, tongue in cheek the same formula over and over and over again. Maybe the stuff on the production floor might change the processes is get more efficient, but I would have never thought that they'd change the yeah. formula. Um, oh
1: yes. Um, when I was there, we were actually launching a new skew with aloe. So um, they were adding aloe to the formulation, uh, but then you're also changing fragrances. There were also products that had antibacterial agents in there, so yeah, dabbled in a lot of different kind of changes with the
0: formula. Interesting. Second thing, and Brent, I want to hear from you on this too. When we Mm -hmm. came out of school, you you touched right on it. I was civil at the time. And so my Mm -hmm. internships were in construction or demolition. And so you have this 19, 20, 21 year old kid managing a crew of, like you say, 20 people on different shifts. and, And I'm the guy, which is crazy. As a male... One of my coping mechanisms was okay. I better grow some facial hair because <laughs> I can't walk around looking like this. Did you mm-hmm. ever have that experience? Brent what was, what were your, uh, early jobs coming out and how did you deal with that?
2: So, um, a lot of us went from Howard, me, Ralph, Jenea, Tim, Trevis, we all went to GT a management training program. So <clears throat> we were kind of groomed for that management thing early on, but I realized that wasn't what I wanted like long-term. They're like, oh, you could be a CE something. You know, I was like, no, I'm not really interested in that. But early on, I did have that experience. My first rotation, I was working in a network operations center. And it it was kind of a ability thing that kind of moved me up because a lot of folks had been there a long time and they were kind of happy with what they were doing. And I came in writing scripts and making programs. So I'm like, yo, if you want me to do this every day, I'm gonna run a script in the background to do it overnight. So I don't even have to mm. like, you know, the next day they're like, so what, so what is this? I'm like, Oh, I just made a little visual something, something. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> 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 what skills do you have? <laughs> right. 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 So, and it was, um, and it was kind of that thing at the beginning too, it was like, who is this, 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 uh, college kid coming in with, you know, doesn't have any experience. What can he add to the pot? And And that was sort of the thing too. It was, I'll give credit to the person that was managing the program. She did want to hire a lot of black engineers. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, the only issue is she came to Howard for all of those. There were a couple that came from um. Georgia I don't Tech. a problem with this. I mean, in in the scheme of things, you know what I'm saying. You know what I mean. It's like um, it's like us having the only swim team, right? I'm happy for that, but it's disappointing in a way. It's um, all of us engineers who were who were minorities. There were some Latinos too. And on the program, there were also folks with MBAs, and -hmm. they were the only white people. So they were like, "How are we equal with the engineers?" And we're like, "We're fucking engineers." (laughs) 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 You you can try to dance around that if you want to, but we're regardless, and we're black. So, and that was the thing was, it was look at the management structure. I think there was one woman out of I want to say maybe 10 or a dozen executives, and they were all white. No, there was one one black guy, there was one black guy. But out of those numbers, and that was the thing was like, Well, if we want to change the culture, then this is what it is. And then after that, I went, um, I actually moved back to DC. and got a job with Lenny Lenny's company. Um, And that was another thing. Um, my progression has always been relationships. Mm -hmm. I say I've never gotten a job where I interviewed where I didn't know somebody. <laughs> oh never, wow! It's never and, and, and I think that's that's a that's a a credit and a and a debit because obviously I don't interview well. <laughs> 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 Actually, a job I have now again, small world. When I quit to to um, cook for a while, I met this woman when I was running the bar, and I just happened to run to her last year. And now I work for the company she she worked for before, and. I talked to her after I got hired. I was like, yeah, thanks for looking out. She was like, I didn't say anything. That was Mm. you. I was like, oh, okay, thanks.
0: You just have a, you have a whoopee. You have a safety blanket that you, that you actually don't even need. (laughs) Right,
2: right, right, right. Right, Right. and that, and so after that, when, like I said, when I came to work with um, the consultant firm here, the lead on the project I was working on got sick. So I had to run the project, same thing. And it was like, I'd never done this before, but ended up getting an award for that. So it's kind of, you don't know what you can do and sometimes you get thrown in a fire to prove it so that, right. was, that was my experience
0: There, weird story quickly just on <clears throat> you, you touched on an idea uh, about how you can come out of school and be in this professional position and you're also an engineer right so mm-hmm. I, I one summer i was working for bechtel which is a big international construction company we're working on the demolition project upstate new york and when they do these big projects they bring they bring trailers out because those are the offices and the, the meeting spaces and everything. We're on a, on a demolition site. And those trailers need to have, once they get installed, they need to have a porch built and all kind of things. And I remember coming up one summer and they brought a new trailer up and they're like, Hey, do you want to manage the construction of the new porch for this new trailer? And I was like, well, I mean, what's there to manage? These guys have done it five times already, obviously, but you know what I will do? I'll design you a new porch. And my mm. porch took about 45, say about 45% of the lumber. It, w- it, it was a mm. bikini compared to the overbuilt monstrosity that the carpenters had been doing over and over again. I'm like, you guys are just like, you, this lumber actually is rated for a certain force and I can put a factor of safety on it. So we can get the thing done without so much waste and make it fun and a little more pretty. So I designed it, drew the whole thing out. And then had the carpenters building according to my specs. And then I complete the whole summer, go back to college. The next summer, I'm coming back to the same construction site to work with those engineers again on site. And one of the engineers I'm talking to on the phone says, hey, so did you hear about uh, what happened? I'm like, what? We had a little accident here on uh, one of the trailers. We talking about? One of the, yeah, one of the porches blew away. I was like, don't play. He's like, no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> 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 but these are the challenges and the fun parts of being a young engineer or a young professional, you know, well-trained and thrust into the world. Uh, LaShonda, you have another school listed on your portfolio and your that I can't pronounce. You went to Thailand for part of your MBA. Is that right?
1: Oh, yes. I did a study abroad in Thailand. So was that was, part of I the was, Duke
0: experience or was that something different?
1: It was part of the Duke experience. So mm-hmm. Duke is great in the sense of having a study abroad program. And I wanted to go somewhere that I probably normally wouldn't have picked for myself to go. So I actually spent a term in Bangkok, Thailand. It was a joint venture with Wharton. Um, And so we were there with some Wharton students as well as some Northwestern students too. It totally changed my life having that experience.
0: I have questions. Again, question one, I want you to answer both of these kind of in whatever format you want. Number one, I want to know, like, who were your parents and what was the discussion when you said, I want to go to chemical engineering? And then I also want to know, once you're in there and then you go to your MBA, what do you learn in Thailand that's different than what you're learning in Durham?
1: Uh, Oh, my parents wanted me to do engineering. (laughs) I went to a performing arts school from 4th to 12th grade. So I went to Cleveland School of the Arts. So think of Fame, um, that's the show on TV. Okay. I was a music major, um, and so you know I took private lessons um, from a very young age for piano and flute. But my mom especially um, pushed to make sure that you know I was thinking more about my future, that I had a job that I could take care of myself. I don't know if you remember back then, You know, we didn't have the internet, so we had to go to the library and they have those, um, those big fish. books at all the jobs. Oh, yeah. And so you would look oh, through the right. books, like here's a different career. So right. I would do that. Um, and so I actually had the opportunity my junior year when I was at Cleveland School of the Arts to intern at NASA. Um, hmm. At the time it was called Lewis Research Center. I think it's now called Glenn Research Center. Um, and so that really kind of, turned my head to really start looking at engineering was that internship opportunity, and I was shocked that I even was awarded the opportunity because I went to a performing arts school, but I had very good grades in science, uh, my chemistry teacher was a bit advocate, so that's how I kind of, that really kind of to steer my career um, into engineering, so yep.
0: That's, my, no, that's no pushback
1: from my um my parents. They were like, "Go and make that money for yourself." You are the
0: exact <laughs> person that we need to call if close encounters of the third kind ever happens, and we got to do that. <laughs> boo, 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 boo. You got music and science and NASA <laughs> all yeah. wrapped up in one one woman. And
2: my, I think about it. Mine was similar because I don't remember how I chose electrical engineering, but I had a cousin that went to Howard who did Kimmy. I want to say she finished in maybe ninety, but. I remember going to the library and coming out with that answer, but because I knew I liked physics, math, and electronics, but I don't, I I remember going to the library and coming out with saying, oh, electrical engineering. That's going to be it. Wow, (laughs) That's great. So, and I started taking piano during the pandemic too. So do you still play
1: LaShonda? I do. I have a keyboard over here. Probably not as good as I used to, because I practice all the time, but Mm -hmm. I still have my flute. No, i don't have me try to play any Andre three thousand. <laughs> um, but actually, I was in the marching band at Howard for my first two years, okay. so I was able to kind of you know still stay in that. But um, by that third year, I was like, I need to take a step back because you know you start getting more into your core curriculum yeah. and. All I got to say is one word, thermodynamics. So <laughs> That's everybody's that's
0: everybody's one word.
2: No or or, or electromagnetic theory.
1: <laughs>
2: and I, and, I, and I played football for 2 years and then I was like I'm out of here.
0: Who did you have for thermo by the way?
1: Um Dr. Collins.
0: I had Dr. Fan. It was very hard. That was difficult. That was a was that was hard. a butt kicking.
1: And then I had to take it again because mm. then we also had to take physical chemistry one and two which is basically mm. kind of the same stuff so i was like oh god i have to do it again
0: <laughs> so so you you come out of you come out with a chemi degree you end up uh working at a plant it sounds like a production plant mm-hmm. but then i like looking at your history you've got at least a decade of cpg work because you had this interest in products what was that like mm-hmm. what, what did you i guess once you did your mba what was your involvement in the cpg world
1: Oh, so I would say probably a good portion of my career was in in CPG. It started, you know, I interned at Coca-Cola Uh, when I was at Duke, you know, so for me just to have that experience of working on one of the world's largest brands was amazing. Now, it wasn't necessarily crazy about my project, which was trying to get more high school students to drink more Coke. You're a pusher. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your pusher. (laughs) But it did confirm that I wanted to work on things that I could relate to and my friends could relate to. So mm. I spent many years working in consumer packaged goods. I spent time working at Johnson & Johnson, working on blood glucose meters. I know for people who have diabetes. The, to go with the Coca-Cola after they <laughs> I know. <drink. laughs> That's exactly right. I know, I know, I know.
2: <laughs> Complete the pipeline, baby. Complete the pipeline. <laughs> um,
1: then I went back into beverages, um, and I worked at Cadbury Sweps which then turned into Dr. Pepper Snapple. Um, and so I worked there for about eight years, four years in New York. And I was working on a lot of their non-carbonated um, brands when I was in New York, worked on mixers, uh, which are th- you know products that are used to make mixed drinks. So that was a very fun time. Mm. And that was around the Sex in the City heyday. So we, we were doing a lot of martinis and mojitos.
0: I know she um, got a full bar at her house right now. I know there's a full <laughs> bar over there. <laughs>
1: Um, (laughs) And then, um, I, then I, when I came down to Texas, um, started working on Snapple and worked on some just amazing programs, um, like supporting the Celebrity Apprentice. We were on a finale for that. So worked with Britt Michaels and Holly Robinson-Pete developing new products, worked on the Amazing Ray Show. We had some products associated with that program. And then we also did a program with, um, maroon five where they um, came and designed their own tea flavor as well so spent a lot of years in beverages then i went down the street um to work at frito-lay so then i was was like well what goes great with beverages chips (laughs) (laughs) so so i worked a couple years um supporting all the various brands there doritos Tostitos, and their promotional group Um, And then one day I got a call from a headhunter about an opportunity at Samsung to work in VR. And that's what kind of started me on my path to go more into emerging tech.
0: This is where we get to pondering tomorrow. See, Brent and I manage a a shared thread on, what is that? I guess it's a group on Instagram. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Is it a group? What is that called?
2: It. It's a group. That's, that's the yeah. that works. We, that's we have cool. this group called know,
0: Pondering Tomorrow where basically we do the morning reading and then something makes you go, that's pretty cool. You post it in there and say something about it. So <clears throat> emerging tech, as I was saying, but also, as you said, we're going to do a little talk about the intersection of emerging tech with entertainment and obviously the impact of that stuff on culture. So you you go to Samsung and this is like, how long ago? Like, what, what year are we talking about?
1: Oh, was this like 2015? I think maybe. Okay.
0: So we're already in the uh, cool era. Like it's, we're way past like brick phones or bad TVs. We're in like, they're the best TV and they're also doing wearables, right?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> Tell me, what did you learn at Samsung and are they the coolest in the space? Or were they the coolest in the space? Well, what's what interesting today?
1: loved about Samsung at that time was that I've always been fascinated with innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, especially when a role that I had allowed me to, you know, introduce innovation, whether it's new flavors, new package sizes. Um, but this was the first time that I actually worked on something that was totally new to the industry. So I was part of the team that helped to launch VR headsets, Gear VR to the U S market. Um, and so that was an interesting process because when I first joined, the product was in beta. So every day it was like, I think we're gonna launch or we're not gonna launch. So I had to be very comfortable with uncertainty and ambiguity because it was, every day it was like, what's happening here? Um, but was- it, was it so already launched in
0: Korea or somewhere else? And we're just, you're just trying to figure out how to get it in the US market? Or was this the core market that we're introducing? You
1: no, know, it was launching kind of globally. Okay. In a sense, but I do know that Korea gives a lot of weight to the U.S. market um, Mm -hmm. because of a good portion of the sales come from this market. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So what I loved about this assignment was that it it really kind of clearly highlighted for me the importance of not just supporting the device, but really looking at the ecosystem. So also from a content perspective, Uh, we had a great partnership with Facebook with Oculus. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were only delivering a certain type of content for us. Um, and so Samsung took basically said, Hey, we're going to develop our own, um, app as well, that features a different type of level of content, because it's great. You can put these devices out there, but what's going to keep people intrigued Mm -hmm. is the content and having just constant content coming through. Um, and so that's where I really started to get exposure working with creatives. Um, and in that space, I was realizing, because it, it was the early days, there weren't really a lot of people of color, um, you know, working in this space. And so I actually cold called a couple of individuals mm. who were working in this space. And it was great. Like, it, it started to create this community. Um, it almost started to feel like a little bit of a Harlem Renaissance in a sense. You know, nice. we would all show up at Oculus Connect, and I would hang with all these cool You know, people of color who were wanting to venture and do something in the VR space. And what was interesting too, that I was starting to come across a lot of directors um, who, you know, normally would do 2D films and they were wanting to get in and expand um, what they do. And so I started mentoring, giving them tips, because what I realized, especially with our community, is that there's really a big knowledge gap. And it's almost like why I reached out to you earlier in the year uh, about CES. I'm always wanting to make sure that we are aware of what's happening out there, especially since we are helping to set the trend with our content. Um, And I feel like we need to also Mm -hmm. understand the tools that are available to us. And so that kind of started this mentorship opportunity where I really started working with creatives you know something simple as letting them know we had a demo loaner program so they could showcase their vr work to a large group of people and not have to buy devices you know
2: Um,
1: some people didn't even know about that or you know giving tips on when you're creating your content you know how do you stitch it so it doesn't look crazy Um, Or the type of content, you know, how does it perform, you know, because we could see performance, you know, hey, this type of content performs well, maybe you should kind of create in this space. Um, And from that experience, with me mentoring um, people in this space and creatives, that kind of led me to get into the television academy. One day, one of the individuals I was working with reached out and said, you know, we thank you for all this great work that you're doing in this space. I think you should look at joining the academy and I would help shepherd your application through. And I was like, me? Really? Wow. Okay. (laughs) And that's how I ended up joining that piece. And so from that experience, I really started to learn how to work with creatives Um, because, you know, they have all this great excitement and energy and thinking out the box, but there needs to be a process to kind of help streamline it so that it's beneficial and that they can also make money from it as well. So
0: you're talking our language because (laughs) we've touched on this topic before that engineers are creatives. And so like to hear you say, I'm working with creatives and they need to have a process. It's like, Duh, this is obvious. Mm-hmm. You, you sound like an engineer
1: yeah, T- yes. teaching
0: other non-engineers how to engineer. <laughs> That's actually yeah, it's, it. Yeah, right. I know
1: it is. Yeah, and I never imagined that my career would go this path because again, the early part of my career, many years, I was working in consumer packaged goods and I really right. thought that I was gonna stay in that space. Um, and I took a leap of faith with the Samsung position and you know, for the first three years of my time there was really working in this innovative space of, of virtual reality. And what was great about it, there was no ROI. So, so, <laughs> so companies can... we're just throwing money in. Oh, it's cost, it's gonna cost 200000 dollars That's okay. Let's do it. You know, I'm like, mm. oh, really? Okay, great. So it was like the the early kind of wild, wild west where anything kind of could go in this space. And then because of it being so new, our team started to kind of mentor and talk with other companies, you know, because then of course, brand companies are trying to find unique ways to connect with consumers. Mm. So went to different companies like Pepsi and craft to really talk to them about how to leverage VR with their content. So it was, it was a really just fascinating. Um, time and experience that I, I think very fondly of, especially meeting so many great black creatives in this space. Mm. I mean, it really felt like this cool Renaissance kind of time. Love it.
0: Brent, a quick note, when Mm -hmm. you invent the time machine. I need you to go back in time and give LaShonda my phone number around mm. 2015, right when the Wild Wild West money starts coming. Yeah,
2: we need some <laughs> of that Wild Wild West money. It's some or, of that right now. Hey, you talk about the future. Where the next Wild Wild West money? Th- there, there was the
0: question. I wrote that. I wrote that. Where is the new you Wild where Wild West? The Where's Wild the Wild current Wild Wild West, LaShonda?
1: Oh, I would say probably AI, but everybody is trying to really figure out how to leverage AI. I mean, I still think that there's something there with the metaverse. I think people are just trying to figure out, okay, how can I best utilize metaverse for my business or monetize in that space? I don't see that going away. I think it probably has more of a B2B kind of application right now, um, where the strength is taking place. But definitely, I think everyone is trying to figure out, AI, I think also immersive kind of experiences, whether it's using immersive technology or creating immersive experiences. So I'm excited for you as you're going to CES, if you can see Dolby Live or see uh, the spear, you know, you're just seeing more and more places kind of pop up where consumers want to have a, just a deeper experience. And then from a creative perspective, they want consumers to experience their content how they hear it in their mind yeah um, so
0: and, yeah and you, you touched on the thing you, you went right to it it was oh, the exact conversation that you were having and saying about where vr was is the conversation i've been having for the last year about this fear it's like okay you've got this incredible venue but what does it take to create content for it and who's allowed to and who's equipped to what, what have you been hearing or what are your conversations been around the 8K spherical content that is required for a space like that?
1: Well, I haven't really been involved in a lot of those discussions, but again, it goes back to the opportunity, even knowing about the opportunity, do you have the training and the skills to develop this content? And so I hope that there, if there are people who are helping to mentor people, especially people of color in this space, so that we can you know, be a part of that experience as well. I mean, again, when I think about culture, and what we drive, uh, I mean, if I just take like Usher and that whole experience um, in Vegas, just imagine if it was at the spear, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and I think about so many people who went to go see him, it was it was amazing, all age ranges, all backgrounds. And so I think it's important Just as we have people who are in front of the camera that we need people behind and working the technology as well. Because sometimes there are things that happen that maybe people don't know about, but we do. Yeah. I remember when I started working in VR, one of the issues I had was there was a lot of content showing us rapping in these dark, like hallways, (laughs) women, women working underneath bridges. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) and I was like, I know that there's more to us than that. Mm. You know,
0: the word that came to mind was algorithm. Like Mm. somebody is programming what will be shown and that will create more creators who are going to create more of what the algorithm rewards. And, And until we pull the curtain back on the wizard... And say, hey, Wiz, could you uh, maybe entice some other images? You know, I think that's something that's that's a worthy goal. Like, how do we figure out how to incentivize other images? Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting. I'm I'm excited about what Netflix is doing. They just announced that they're going to start releasing more of their data. So Mm -hmm. it's now giving a little bit more power to creatives to understand how well their work is being received you know, from a streaming perspective.
2: Mm. And so
1: I hope more companies will do that.
2: Great. Hey, so I was just wondering, Um, so what's coming up or what are you looking forward to or what are you excited about in, in emerging technology that's coming out now?
1: So I'm really excited about where AI is going to go, because I know that there's kind of these multiple sides where there's one where there's a fear um, mm. that it can take away opportunities and jobs and But then I'm also excited for what it can do, um, which is, can help streamline process, um, help make improvements. Um, I was just watching something today on TV where they were talking about how UPS is leveraging AI to help them determine what are good places to to deliver packages and what places are prone to have their packages stolen. And in those cases, Mm. have it go to a UPS store which I'm like, you know, I'm all for that because I've I've had some (laughs) packages stolen. (laughs) Right. Um, And so I've been looking at AI as far as how it's translating in various categories. You know, with my last role being at Dolby, I looked at a lot of the entertainment pillars. So I was looking at music, podcasts, Mm. gaming, sports, movies, you know, all of it, Um, because each one kind of has a different impact um to different you know and how it's being leveraged and so i know that's the talk of the town but i i think you know i see a lot of great benefit with ai um, and so that's what really has me excited i'm still excited about the metaverse um, mm. i'm just curious will it will it finally kick in you know because when you think about you know the metaverse and like let's take vr for example it can be seen as an entertainment kind of format And so if you think about your time, as far as how you consume entertainment, like in a pie, you know, it's going to have to take away from something else that you're already Mm -hmm. doing, whether you're listening to music or watching TV, is it going to be compelling enough to kind of pull people away from their normal ways of consuming entertainment? Um, And I I still think that there's something there. Mm -hmm. So.
0: I, I get the scary buzz on that. It's the iRobot scary piece. Like everybody inside the helmets and nobody actually sees the other
2: person. And
0: it's like, eh, do we really need that?
2: I don't know. <laughs> it's coming. You can't stop it now. It's coming. You know, and to your point, it's what are people going to do with it? Because and, right. and, I was talking to somebody about it in a, a couple months ago. It's like, oh, I'm worried about AI. I'm worried about Terminator. I'm like, that's <laughs> like how can you make sure it's safe? I'm like, you can't make sure it's safe. You, there's yeah. no way... But you can just try to keep. It's it's going to happen. So it's 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 either it's either be prepared for it or get left behind. And like you were saying, Lashonda, it's I I I see us approaching it as consumers, and that's frustrating to me because I know it's 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 like I know I said I was coding and stuff earlier, but I'm no coder by any stretch of the imagination. But if you can Google, you can develop something, right? Even if it's something simple everybody's scared of this thing that the billionaires are creating that these podcast bros are in charge of (laughs) but that's just what we see i mean you could create something on your laptop or your desktop that at least gets you involved in the creation process of what this can do
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think we're also going to need some policies put in place to kind of help provide guardrails on how we leverage ai and I think that's part of the confusion right now that there's really probably not a lot of guardrails out there. If you take, mm-hmm. let's say, the music industry, I think that's why there's some concern because, you know, in a sense, sometimes AI can be used as a sampling kind of vehicle. And we're already doing sampling. We've been doing sampling for years. But there's protocols in place that if you sample mm-hmm. and you don't give credit, you're going to be taken to court. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have that yet, I think, in all these different entertainment pillars that are using it. So. Um, I think that, you know, as this continues to move forward, I feel like every day I'm hearing about something new within AI and how it's being leveraged and used, that we also need to start thinking about policies that need to be developed, too.
0: Yeah, I went to a uh, conference uh, earlier this year, with a software company that does, uh, that has a lot to do with the, um, the industrial production process. So from CAD design all the way through production and then through service, right? And they had a a segment of their floor called Industrial Metaverse. And it was absolutely fantastic. They had setups, iPhone Pros with LiDAR. They, within five minutes, had created a 3D environment, scanning the area, and were able to share that with expertise elsewhere. So I just think that, I say that to say that we spend so much time talking about and thinking about these technologies in terms of entertainment Mm-hmm. but but that's just one segment you know that's just the segment that maybe as consumers we sit and look at mm-hmm. well, what am i going to watch tonight what's going to keep me happy tonight versus what about construction how does how does and ar would- and vr and ai affect construction or water purification or whatever are these other areas right. of our lives medical i mean right medical it, right. what are the applications <laughs> that we should be looking forward to in terms of AI and virtual reality and mixed reality in medical, it seems like it's already there. And wouldn't Mm -hmm. you want your surgeon to be fully aware of how to put the mask on and
2: see what's going on in your arteries? And that was Mm -hmm. funny you said that because Bringing it back to the tailgate, you know, we did it at a Ford Avenue Grill this year. Mm-hmm. And I took my phone and I did a LIDAR scan because right. Cree was asking, What are the measurements of the? I did the LIDAR scan and then took it, gave me the dimensions. And I was like, Here you go. She's like, How you do that?
1: <laughs> right. Okay. Party <laughs> with the purpose. <carpet. laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. That's right. And we're going to work on our house. So I, I paid for the subscription so I could scan the house and do the same thing.
0: That's great. So then you do the model of your house, the 3D model of your house, and then you look at it and realize how filthy. Like, dang it,
2: I didn't realize yeah, these books were sitting gotta, there. You got to clean You got to <laughs> cut that part out. But again, that's, the AI can do that. It's got the technology. It was like, oh, just show me the walls and the floor. And
0: mm, it'll do that too. That's better. So, that's way better.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah. LaShonda, what's next? If you put on your, uh, your futurist hat and say, hey, look, man, this is where I think we're going in the next two years on the industrial side, and here's where I think we're going on the consumer side, what do you – pre-positioning yourself for?
1: Um, I just, I, well, one of the trends that I talked about was really around globalization um, and just really seeing everything kind of blend together. You know, in the past, America was kind of seen as we're the developer of all this great content, whether it's music and movie and as you've seen and experienced, there's been a lot of great content coming from all over the world. Yeah. So I almost feel like it's not going to be really any kind of division. It's all just going to be kind of as one. I'm thinking greater focus on health, self-care and, and digital aspects. Um, cause especially just with everything that we've gone through with the pandemic and just, well, I feel like we're still going through a lot. What's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, there's a greater focus on how can we provide self-care. And there's a lot of digital applications from that perspective that has me excited. Um, I think just even from a content creator thinking about how can my content live in many different forms, starting to see what I call cross category kind of work happening. So, you know, not just thinking about how your work lives, let's say in a movie, but could it also live in a podcast? So it creates more of this 360 structure. I see more and more focus around creators really having the tools to really bring their visions to life. Um, so whether it's through spatial audio or, um, from a vision perspective, like HDR 10 plus or Dolby vision, really, how can I have the most real experience? um, and deliver that to fans. So,
0: right. What about for parents whose kids are entering middle school? Like what should they be thinking in terms of, Hey, in four years, you're going to be going into college. What should we be looking at is majors that are going to be fueling our future?
1: Um, I'm hoping that more people would think about engineering um i'm i would love to see more cross-pollination between different schools so for example like let's say the school of fine arts and engineering and i'm already starting to see that kind of work as you know school of fine arts they now have an animation program they're now bringing kind of that vr kind of technology Um, they're incorporating spatial audio into their training and i love that because so, you know, I love, you know, people love performing and we, we all love the artists, but the greater opportunity that I see is really being behind the scenes, how to deliver that output, um, you know, to the world. And, and so I would love to see more of that cross pollination. I see engineering probably changing, probably some new fields coming in from a computer kind of aspect. Um, but with programming, I felt like, you know, when we went there, we had to do a little bit of programming. I feel like yeah. there's going to be much more programming, coding, heavy. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Me either. <laughs> right. But, but that's a, that's a great lead in because Brent's working on some things with double E and I guess the question that I wanted to hear from both of you is if you, cause you can, if you were to be charged with going back to your department now. Mm-hmm. What would you advise and changes?
2: Well, for me, I think I think to to her point, it's the cross pollination, right? And like we talked about before, Brendan, it's, uh, what what does electrical engineering mean in twenty twenty three, right? Right. I, I, when we were there, our professors were focused on power and delivering power, which makes sense. And then as we were in school, to kind of transitioned to more more on the computer side so because you had the internet coming out you had all of those things that were because even circuits i mean you had to improve the microchips you had to improve computer performance but i and now i think there's a great understanding of devices and granted as technology advances in that space things will need to change but Unless there's some literal quantum leap in what the computer you can put on your desk at home, those things are going to move in a slow progression. So it's it's, what does electrical engineering mean today? And I I don't have the answer to that, but I think the cross-pollination with the arts, with uh, business, because that was one thing that I really wish that we had was you're an engineer and you create, but you create and somebody else knows how to package it and sell it. And not saying, you know, you're not going to be a Jack of all trades. You shouldn't try to be that, but you should at least have an understanding of monetizing your creation. Right.
1: I love that. I was going to suggest the an entrepreneurship kind of track to go along mm-hmm. if we were in engineering, um, because I don't think we were really taught that. So it was almost like we're going to train you to go out into the real world right. and, and and work work at a corporation, yes, versus, hey, you can develop a new formula, you can develop a new app, a new kind of electrical Mm -hmm. system and create your own company and monetize that. And so I would love to see more entrepreneurship kind of classes where, I know we have the Entrepreneurship Center now um, Mm -hmm. that's being led by Erin McKinney to maybe there's more offerings there. I do know that School of Fine Arts is really kind of taking that stance and they're developing a conference Mm -hmm. Um, to kind of really bridge the grapping and, and connect things together, uh, for students to really kind of show them all the opportunities, that are there for them.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I, my brain goes to what organizations or companies would be interested in the output of creating a curriculum that measures the arts with science, with, marketing or entrepreneurship as well. And then I always find that once we find a problem big enough, of our own and solve that, that it becomes mm-hmm. something that we can scale and leverage across other populations, you know, mm-hmm. so it'd be interesting to see if this conversation leads yeah, any of us I to would action. Say
1: any of the streaming services, you know, whether it's Spotify, mm-hmm. Paramount, you know, it's going to require all of the things that we talked about that cross pollination, so, um, the companies are there, I think it's just knowing about it and knowing about those opportunities. Like, you know, I I did not know about the opportunities that were at Dolby until I got there. And I was like, what, this place existed? This is crazy, I didn't <laughs> know, you know? And so that's part of what I'm trying to do is really just let people know about all these opportunities and what it can do for you, um, that you don't have to go down this traditional path. And, uh, th- and there's nothing wrong with the traditional path,
2: but mm. yeah. And I think that that's part of it too is, Brendan, your question was, what are these, kids have to look forward to when they go to college and so many places aren't requiring that bachelor's anymore. Right. Mm. So there's, there's the opportunity there of, and I'm thinking, like you were saying, the, the, the VR or metaverse is, is perfect for education, I think too, because if I tell a sixth grader that I'm an electrical engineer, how can I explain that to him? So he understands it. And if, um, you know, again, somebody that's in high school, considering college, if she asks about engineering, I might not be able to answer the question, but if that content was created, because it it doesn't even have to be created nowadays, right? It could be as chat GPT or something in that space. What does engineering look like? And granted, you get the text piece, but I can see that, oh, now we're going to set up a school in the metaverse where you could just walk down and it would go out and gather information and create a curriculum or whatever, whatever, and then show how engineering matches with construction, how it matches with art. 'Cause you need the, the lighting and the sound and all of this stuff too. So it's I think there's all the pieces are there. And to your point, we just gotta figure out how they go together and who that's valuable to.
0: Yeah. I, I'm so much more interested in revolutionizing probably elementary versus college mm-hmm. to start. Great. Like start Great. at start at fourth grade, fifth grade, get them used to new tech. <laughs> Preschool's tough. You know but I they, get got, it.
2: they They're getting phones in their hands, man. Nah. <laughs> and,
1: and, and they, again, it's happening. It's happening, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: I, so, so. so to my whole point is to start earlier, right? Start way early. We can create content at, at higher levels. Like you can have college kids creating content that fuels the educational experience Ooh. in fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade. Uh, right. But but you fast forward ten years past that, you've got these incredible people who are uh, not only digitally natives, but they're also mm-hmm. producers. They're used to consuming at a distance expertise from all around the world. And now they're hitting college. Mm-hmm. How will they become as alumni? How will they revolutionize and change their schools then versus kind of starting so late in the process as college?
2: Yeah. yeah, no other. I mean, that's, that's one of our biggest heels as Americans is mm-hmm. we're still training people to work in factories, just be smart enough not to blow everything up. that's all they want that's all they and if you do blow it up well we got 10 more to replace you anyway yeah so that's the you know it's a it's a cultural shift that needs to happen also
0: Lashonda what's your uh what's your dream gig well like you got the magic wand you can like say hey look for the next year I'm going to spend my time getting rewarded to do what wow
1: I I I think where I really love is the area around partnerships, but in the area around that intersection of entertainment and tech with a layer of mentorship. I really love mentoring creatives in the space, Mm -hmm. um, especially diverse creatives, really trying to break open the paradigm to really make it an equal playing field so that everyone is aware of the great technologies and support that's out there and how you can leverage these tools, the jobs that you can have. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's what gets me excited.
0: I love it, I love it. LaShonda Larkin, thank you so much for joining the Black Futures. You are the Black Futures for a day. You are the Black Futures. <laughs> I saw Mike Tyson talk about uh, taking hallucinogenics and he said, if you, mm-hmm. take, if you do the toad, you, you, you become God for like three minutes. <laughs> like what you get to talk to god no no you are him <laughs> you've been the black futures for a day
1: <laughs> thank you for having me on again this no, really felt great. like home joining yeah. being yeah. with you all i'm just so glad that you have this vehicle to really talk about the future and how it pertains to black people i think mm-hmm. it's important that we think about innovation how do we drive it how do we support it um and you're podcast is really helping to drive awareness of some of these great technologies and tools that are out there. So continue to keep moving forward in this space.
0: You are welcome back anytime. And if you're going to CES this year, I'll be there. Holler at me so we can go do some cool stuff. We got the cameras and everything. We're doing all of it.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Thank you. All right.